This podcast contains toilet humour, rude words, and lots of spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony art. It's time for Agony Art. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Art. Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Welcome to the series finale of Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not with our own wisdom, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age, or failing that just by recommending books, films, and music for you to enjoy. My name is Aaron. I'm our resident book lover, and I'm joined by Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro. Oh, fuck's sake, I hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Here with me, once again, in Carl's back garden. <laughs> I'm getting wet. <laughs> We've smashed Carl's back doors in. <laughs> now you're inhabiting my cabin. <laughs> How are you guys? Bad, not bad, Liam. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Season finale, boys. Yeah, boy. And it's a new year. It's 2023. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Lucky we left last week on a cliffhanger, wasn't it? <laughs> what? Will it be 2023 or not? Yeah. Every single year <gasps> recently, I feel like we've, maybe not on the podcast, but at least two people we know said... Let's hope this year is better than the last one, eh? <laughs> so I don't want to say it this year because I don't want to jinx anything because this year was shit as well. <laughs> yeah, you, you got just... a new house this year. Was it this year you got a new house? Last year that was. Oh, okay. Yeah, boring year for you. <laughs> Nobody's done anything this year yet, Carl, because it's only been a few days. That's true. So, guys, have you watched Welcome to Wrexham on Disney Plus? I haven't, no. I've been meaning to. Yeah? There's a lot of football series to get through. Oh, yeah. There's. Um... There's three All or Nothing series, aren't there? And there's Sunderland Till yeah. I Die. Yeah, so we need to watch season two of Sunderland Till I Die. We're watching the Crystal Palace one oh. on Channel 4, Football Dreams. Which is well, about, that's a bit down know, market, isn't it? Channel 4. <laughs> we can say Crystal good. Palace. And then so, <laughs> so Wrexham's next after that. Ah, okay. In Welcome to Wrexham, there was an episode that made a huge impact on me. And I've actually thought about it a lot since I watched it because... It was all about Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds's bromance in bromance, um, bromance, <laughs> Brian Bertondi. Uh Their bromance in inverted commas, and how there is no equivalent word for female friendships because women are happy to just be friends, whereas <laughs> men seem to have a need to pretend it's a game or give it a silly name to play down the seriousness of like being close to each other. When really, if they just let their guards down and admit their feelings, they'd admit that they have friends and they love them. <laughs> the point of the episode is that football and other sports often give men an excuse to be close to each other. As in, if you get a season ticket for your local team, you've got an excuse to spend time with your dad or your mate or your brother or whoever every week and you can chat and have a laugh. And if your team score, you can even hug. And I was watching, admittedly, with a tear in my eye because it's a bit of a... Um, emotional episode thinking I don't think that's true for me and my friends 
like we're sensitive guys, unashamedly in touch with uh, our emotions. We're definitely above all that silliness. But then I remembered that we had to come with a silly podcast idea to spend time together regularly. <laughs> so, so the point is that along with that episode, I've had a shit year mental health wise, as I'm sure a lot of people have, even if it's just us snowflake millennials who will admit it. And what has got me through that is my wife, my cats, strangely, ballroom dancing lessons, <laughs> and my friends, you oh. two. Oh. And the last few weeks editing these episodes, I've been hearing your voices every day. And it's been like we've spending we've been spending time together like a hundred times more than we have, and it's been great. So I wanted to say without weirdness and encouraging the listeners at home to do the same with the people they love. I love you both. Just like I love the friends that aren't here, not because they died, just because they're not in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> not in Carl's back garden. Yeah. 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 Not physically here. R.I.P. And as a token of that love, I want to give you both a Shorts. Christmas. Oh. <laughs> a Christmas gift. Oh. Agony art t-shirts oh. and stickers. Oh, thanks, Aaron. New Year the, gift, I suppose. did the fictional pickle. I love it. Absolutely love it. I don't know if you've already done it, but if you haven't, you've got to stick these on Instagram. People will buy these, definitely. <laughs> People don't listen, why would they buy them? <laughs> oh, that's wicked. Thank you, Aaron. And I love you too. Yeah. And I love you, Liam. I love you both too. I might not seem like it, Liam, but I do love you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, now that I've read out my heartfelt but rehearsed speech, <laughs> let's get back to the activity we've arranged to justify our friendship. Did you rehearse, <laughs> did you rehearse it to the cats? <laughs> yeah. Now, before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we are not really here to solve your problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial and or fictional pickles and our advice should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun, so if you're having a really hard time, please check out our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, with that out of the way, let's get on with it. The last episode of the series. I hope you've really brought your problem guns, guys. Oh, have I. <laughs> Here's the first problem of the day. I'm thinking of retiring from a 43-year career soon. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time. It is, yeah. Which is both exciting and scary. What if he's a murderer? <laughs> 43 <laughs> years of murdering. <laughs> Which is both exciting and scary. The biggest fear I have is that I'll retire and then regret it a week later. What if I'm bored out of my brains at home? What if all the hobbies I think are going to keep me busy actually become completely uninteresting? What if everyone forgets the impact I made on my industry and everyone at work moves on and doesn't miss me even a little bit? What if it was all for nothing? Have you guys got any advice to help me make this difficult decision? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think we are? If you haven't got it by now, if you don't know this by now, you, you will never, never, never ever, ever know, know it. <laughs> but what we do on this podcast is anonymize our pickles by giving them an associated name, giving them a random name that we can call them during the problem-solving process. So, given that we've um, brought up Simply Red, should we call him Mick? Mickey. Huckers. So, Mick, I can help you out, I think. 2022 films, klaxon alert. 
<laughs> but now it's 2023, so you're still oh. dealing with really old films. Hold on, hold on. Recent film klaxon alert. Got to have different klaxons. Okay, that's fine. Netflix, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Have you seen, heard? Oh. I've heard about it. Yeah. So it's based on a 1930 book called All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, it's a novel by World War One German veteran. Eric Maria Remarque. Oh. Mm. And it also they also released a film in the same year, which is famous. I've not seen the original, actually. Uh, but it's a famous film. It won it won an Oscar for Outstanding Production and Best Director. I think Outstanding Production is like our best film now. Oh, okay. Because it wasn't nominated for Best Film, but you'd think it would be. But it won that. Um, it's adapted again, adapted again in 1979 and again in 2022, which is what we're going to talk about. Mm. Um the book, interesting fact. You ready for an interesting fact, Liam? Is it really interesting, though? Well, the book was among the books burned in Nazi Germany during the ceremonial book burnings. Yeah. Which is interesting. I suppose it's not... Well, it is interesting, but it makes sense because it's about the how the war ended. It was necessary to end it for humanitarian reasons, but it was a really bad deal for Germany economically. And Hitler blamed what happened to Germany after on that surrender, basically. So he obviously thought it was propaganda. Gotcha. But we start off by following German soldier Heinrich mm. until he gets killed. He came up with the Heinrich manoeuvre, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he gets killed pretty quickly. Uh, so we follow him as if he's the main character. We follow him for 15 minutes. He gets shot and killed. And then his uniform, it, you follow his uniform home being washed and re-sewn and reused. It's given to another soldier, and he says, the new soldier, who's Paul, says, this isn't my uniform, it says Heinrich in here. And went, oh, it must have been too small for him, and they pulled the label out and just give it to Paul. So kind of symbolic that you're churning young men here, kind of thing. It's a really, really tough watch if you're not... um, if you're not having the composition to watch tough films. <laughs> that was eloquently put. <laughs> I, like, I like the use of composition. Can I mean constitution, maybe? <laughs> but um, when they go to war, so when Paul and his friends go to war, they're chirpy, singing, laughing. They look really clean in their nice uniforms. And things change very quickly when they jump into trenches and they're covered in mud already. And they join the front line basically during the shelling campaign by the French. So interesting. it's an interesting film because it's from a German perspective, which we don't see very often, I don't think. Mm. And in the first night, two, I think two of his friends get killed, basically. And they kind of, um, one of them just has a panic attack straight away. He's like, this isn't what I thought it would be. And he just wants to go home and then he gets killed in a shelling attack this is very depressing I'm sorry guys it's the finale it's serious <laughs> yeah um, so it follows it It kind of time jumps a little bit and it's years later and they're the ones that are surviving the ones that have survived are very used to this now and they're kind of like autonomous they just when they go over the top they just run instead of like worrying about surviving they just run towards the enemy and shoot and kill as they need to mm. um but the subplot of the film, so you basically there's a lot of horror of trench warfare 
which um, I know I'm kind of into it. When I say into this, like I find it interesting. <laughs> I love trench warfare. Love um, <laughs> he's always out in his trench. <laughs> you have to cross over my trench to get to my little cabin here. But, um, but anyway, the subplot of the film, aside from the horror, is there's um, peace negotiators on a train on both sides. And they're umming and ahhing about signing this surrender, essentially, for Germany. Because Germany are losing 40,000 men a week at the, this point for no reason, basically. Because mm. they're not gaining anything. And economically and politically, they're just done. So they've, they've lost the war already. So it's how badly do we lose? Do we just keep fighting the war and get a better deal? Or do we just say it's done? Yeah. A lot of them want to just sign the peace treaty or armistice. Um, but a lot of them are fanatical and they're not like Nazi fanatical, but they worry about the fatherland. If we can't sign this, yeah. we're going to lose this and that or whatever. So my point <laughs> is... That is it going to help Mick Hucknall it is gonna help in Mick his Hucknall. decision whether to retire from Simply Red? <laughs> because if your decision is you've lost something already, you lost the war, and if you sign a bit of paper, you're going to save 40,000 people a week. It's a pretty easy decision. Retiring... Not working anymore, doing whatever you want with your time, pretty easy decision. <laughs> and to be honest, Mick, I'm going to kind of go in on you a little bit. I think you'll be massively egotistical about your Whoa. place in the market, remembering your name in the industry. Who gives a fuck, okay? Because <laughs> there's something that happens at the end of the film where they sign the armistice and they say in six hours' time at 11 o'clock on the 11th of the 11th, the war will be over. And in that six hours, the German general on the front line says... Basically, and then part of the armistice is you keep the borders remain what they are at the end at 11 o'clock. So if you gain land, you get that land at 11 o'clock. So he thinks he wants to go back to Germany a hero gaining something. So he sends all of his young men who know the war's going to end in literally 15 minutes, sends them over the top to try and take as much as possible. And our protagonist, Paul, goes over and doesn't have a good time. So he... Is that your way of... Trying to avoid a spoiler, but it's quite obvious that he dies. Yeah, I didn't. I really didn't mean that. Yeah, but he like. All right, spoiler alert. Go forward for ten minutes ago. Yeah. It's way too late for that. Car. You've already been over the top. No, I was going to say. Right, skip now. First spoiler. He gets shot, and then the bugle will go for eleven o'clock. Like literally a second oh, yeah. later. Yeah. So I don't know how true it is, but it's a book based on a bit, a bit yeah. I wrote. So. That guy, that German guy's ego about him, how he's portrayed when he goes back to Germany, killed men as well. So it's not good to be egotistical. Retire. You've had a good run. Enjoy your life. Mm. That was pretty hard. I'm surprised that you made such a good point from what was a bad starting point. (laughs) When you started about World War One, I was like, this isn't going to help. (laughs) We don't talk about World War One enough. We should talk about it more. Yeah. What, what, what about Cromwell? Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you, Carl, about it sounds like an easy decision to me. It sounds to me, Mick, that you're agonising a lot here. Agony, it's time for agony. Uh, um, maybe, maybe you're thinking that you, you're going to end up feeling that you should have done things differently, that, you know, if you would have just stayed at work, your life could have been so brilliant. <laughs> I know what song this is. <laughs> so let me tell you a cold, hard, difficult truth, Mick. Shoulda, woulda, coulda are the last words of a fool. 
Shoulda, woulda, coulda means I'm out of time. Shoulda, woulda, coulda means you're changing your mind. And I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> Is that the song? Yeah, Beverly Knight. So said Beverly Knight in a 2002 <laughs> hit, Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. Is that the song, yeah? It is the song, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Can you name any other Beverly Knight songs? Me neither. I should be able to because I was reading all about them yesterday, but no, nope, oh. I've forgotten. <laughs> she does like stage shows, doesn't she? She's like Chicago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we'll right? get on to that, Carl. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, co-written by Beverly Knight and Craig Wiseman, who's worked with a number of artists, including Dolly Parton, apparently. Although, didn't actually hear about any other songs he's written, so maybe he only wrote minor songs for them. Not sure. If you're listening, Craig, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, we just got an email. <laughs> <laughs> so Beverly Nice. Beverly Nice. Very nice. Very Beverly nice. Knight. I'm nice. sure she is very nice. Very nice. Um, she has first-hand experience of taking kind of career-related risks in pursuit of other interests. Uh, as Carl mentioned, she does musicals. Before I get to that, in 2006, the same year she received an OBE for services to music. Did you know she had an OBE for services to music? No. Order of the British Empire. Mm, indeed. Order of the British Empire. British. <laughs> <laughs> Brita water filters. <laughs> the British Empire. The clearest water. Um, <laughs> she branched out into TV and did a couple of series of Just the Two of Us, which, to be honest, wasn't much of a risk. It was her singing with celebrities. She duetted <laughs> with Nikki Campbell and Brendan Cole. Mm, um, classics. I'm not sure if she won. They'll go down in history. <laughs> no, Nikki Campbell... Did the breakfast show on Five Live? I don't know if he listens. He still does, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Does the show just after the breakfast show now? Right. But the brunch show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Levenses. (laughs) But um, he made. I listened to the last episode of him on it on breakfast show. It was the biggest fanfare. Like tributes. It went on for ages. Like massive monologues. And he just moved to an hour, like an hour on the time slot. He just doesn't want to get up early anymore, basically. It's such bullshit. Fuck you, Nicky Campbell. That said, I really like his program. I think he's really good. Um, Fuck you and I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, But yeah, notably in 2013, Beverly Knight started branching out into musical theatre, where she has made a pretty big name for herself, I think it's fair to say. She's appeared in The Bodyguard... Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, I didn't clip, surprisingly. It's <laughs> a pop shield. She's also been in Cats as uh, Grizabella, the glamour Emery. cat. Exactly, she sang that. Um, Drifter's Girl, recent one. And <laughs> Carl's got nothing for that. <laughs> Son of a drifter, man. <laughs> and uh, most recently, Sister Act, or most recently at the time of recording, uh, other Beverly Knight recent musicals may be available. <laughs> Um, and she's been nominated for two Olivier Awards which are very prestigious I mean obviously nominated doesn't mean one but you've got to be pretty good to be nominated for those it's an honour just to be nominated exactly (laughs) and shoulda woulda coulda shoulda woulda coulda it's by a fisherman (laughs) (laughs) shoulda woulda coulda caught that cod (laughs) but I'm out of time it's a song about ending a relationship rather than a career but the message still holds, and it's quite a simple one. Sometimes you might feel like you did the wrong thing and have regrets. But everything is obvious in hindsight, and if you spend all your time beating yourself up about what could have been, you'll never give yourself a chance to be happy with what you got. 
shoulda, woulda, coulda, they're the last words of a fool. And that's my <laughs> advice. Go and retire, spend that extra time on those hobbies, and don't look back. And you can always get more hobbies if you get bored of your existing hobbies. Liam knows about hobbies. Love, I love ho- a hobby, me. Yeah. You're a hobby yeah. horse. If you need ideas for hobbies, let <laughs> me know. Hobby horse. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing about retirement is that you don't get it like stamped onto you or anything. So you can always get another job. Hmm. If you really hate it, you could just go back to work, couldn't you? Just an aside though, something my wife often argues with her parents about is that they have they have retired and now they just sit around doing nothing but waiting to get old and die. And she suspects that they're trying to hurry this process along by literally acting older and deciding to make their world smaller and become more cantankerous and achy and stuff. But it must be difficult for people who have been working all their lives to go from five days a week to nothing. And I imagine that does have a big impact on your health and your mental health and stuff. But how much of that is choice like how much of it is just deciding well i'm old now i might as well pack in the old noggin (laughs) (laughs) pack up my noggin and what i'm going to talk about is the corrections by jonathan franzen now i am currently halfway through this book it's about 650 pages so that's not aaron approved to quote all of our wives that's bigger than i'd usually take (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my wife has never said that <laughs> but I'm loving it you're right Kai it wouldn't normally pass the Aaron test but this one is exactly my kind of book I'm really enjoying it it's about the Lambert family elderly Enid and Alfred and their three adult children Alfred is losing his mental faculties to Parkinson's disease and Enid becomes obsessed with getting everyone round to their house for one last family Christmas And that's no easy task when all of their kids are borderline fuck-ups who have some, you know, deep-seated issues with their parents. Why this is relevant to your problem, Mick Hucknall, is that Alfred is an old man who loved to work. He lived to work. He worked for a railway company and he worked as much as he could. He was an old-fashioned, toxic masculinity kind of man men don't cry don't complain don't do anything but work and act stern with their children the strong silent type yeah tony soprano would say whatever happened to gary cooper (laughs) there's the weekly sopranos tangent (laughs) (laughs) ticked off the list (laughs) uh so when he retired he had nothing left but acting like a big stern man because he had no job to go to so that became all he did. He locked himself in his metallurgy lab. Metallurgy? Met- metallurgy, I think. That's yeah. when you s- sneeze at metals, isn't it? Sneeze at them, yeah. A <laughs> two. Mm. Iron me. reacted the same way. <laughs> <laughs> They're all indifferent to my sneezes. <laughs> um, in the basement, or he just sat in his blue chair in the basement, sitting there doing nothing, never gave his wife any love and ended up on a fast track to complete deterioration. And like I said about my wife before, all this does is make his kids angry with him. Their parents have this big house that's falling apart because they don't maintain it properly and their son Gary thinks they should just sell it to recover as much money as they can while they still can. And don't get Gary started on his dad's patent for a small scientific breakthrough he made years ago. A patent which his dad wants to sell for five grand, but Gary thinks could go for 200 grand if he just had some oomph. 
<laughs> their other son, Chip, resents them both for thinking he's a failure and their daughter loves her dad but feels constantly judged by her mum. It's a real mess. When you, you're reading this at the moment, so you're only... I'm halfway through, yeah. yeah so you don't know what happens yet. No, no, indeed. Which is interesting. You can. Yeah, I can't spoil it. No, <laughs> it's impossible to spoil it. <laughs> we should only do half watched or listened. Yeah. Or... I watched the first half of this film. <laughs> I listened to the first half of this song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Anyway, Mick, what I'm saying is, is this the fate that awaits you? Are ret- are you retiring to do nothing? If so, then the corrections by Jonathan Franzen tells you not to do that it's just the beginning of the end and you'll regret it when you have nothing in your life and your kids and your wife hate you now a few caveats to what the advice i just gave first as i said alfred actually seems like he was always a bit of an asswipe, so it's not really retirement that made him that way it just might explain the decline into old man asswipery. <laughs> second i'm sure the parkinson's would have struck whether he retired or not so we can't really blame that the retirement for that and that shouldn't factor into any of your decisions incidentally my granddad had parkinson's and it's always a worry of mine that one day that fate awaits me i don't know how hereditary it is i don't want to look it up just in case it says very <laughs> <laughs> i don't worry but there are a billion afflictions that may happen to you uh yeah that's why i don't google symptoms anymore Carl. <laughs> everyone is cancer or aids or instant death <laughs> are you sure you haven't instantly died <laughs> oh shit I'm dead see early White Lotus where one of that guy thinks he's got yeah. ball cancer in the- and his wife the first thing you see of his wife just holding his knob like examining his ball <laughs> bollock is all you see on screen <laughs> third I'm only halfway through the book as you say Carl so there might be some great redemption for Alfred we'll see And fourth, my biggest caveat is that I am totally (laughs) pro-retirement. This isn't actually the advice I'd give if I didn't have to rely on a book to give advice. So my advice is to always retire. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you get a chance, retire. Enjoy life. Fuck the man. The man kidnapped Shamu and put him in a chlorine tank. (laughs) He just wants to work you. He wants you to work in a pointless job, sending pointless emails, pretending that what you're doing is very important every day until you die. So, fuck the man. Retire. What if he's a brain surgeon? (laughs) Retire. (laughs) Mid-surgery. I'm sick of this. (laughs) You know what? I'm done. (laughs) Come back. (laughs) What's your problem? There's no use trying to pretend you haven't got one. The three of us are here to lend a friendly ear and help you out with all that strife that's lately marked your life. Why not divulge it? You never know, we may have tips that help you solve it. We know it's unlikely, but it's an impossibility if you don't share your problem. Let's move on to problem two. Lately, I've found it so hard to sleep that now I'm too tired to tell whether I'm awake or still dreaming. There's no single reason why I'm finding it hard to sleep. Some nights I can't drift off because I'm worrying about things. Some nights I'm not worried at all, but it seems too bright in my room. And some nights I keep waking up too cold or too hot. I just want a good night's sleep before I lose my job for falling asleep at the wheel of a forklift. Have you got any tips? 
that will help me get the 40 winks I so desperately need. This made me think of you, Liam, because you can sleep anywhere, all the time, everywhere. Anytime. Uh, anytime. I had, had quite a bad car. sleep last night. Yeah? Yeah. Worried about the pod. I woke up at six o'clock this morning and my, I, tell you, I don't know what's wrong with my nose, but if, if my body temperature changes even a little bit, my yeah. nose just goes crazy. Oh. And it was like just go. <laughs> it like was like rabbits. It was like getting really bunged up. Started running. I had to blow oh. it like about five times. It took me about an hour to get back off. Oh my days! Um, yeah. I have it where if I get too hot, my nose just closes. Mm. It just goes. No, we're we're not doing business. <laughs> we're not doing business through these holes anymore. <laughs> it's too warm. <laughs> but no, so Carl, how's your nose? <laughs> Actually, I feel like I'm breathing a lot out of my mouth. I hate the word yeah. mouth breather. There's an American thing in it. It's yeah. just a mouth breather. I call my wife that all the time because that's <laughs> all she does is walk around the house going. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I do that because I can't seem to breathe from my nose properly. It's always like bunged up for some reason. What is it with modern noses? Mm. Noses these days, they're not what they were. No, they're not. No. I suppose they're not that modern though now, are they? They're getting a bit old. <laughs> <laughs> Our noses, yeah. But on that and sleep, I'm older than both of you. On it by what a few months, a few months. months, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I'm older <laughs> Well, I don't know whether you've like no, but have you got to the point where um, you're getting up at night to piss? Uh, no, because I right before I feel like I'm on the cusp of going to sleep, I go right. I'm going to get up for a tactical piss Who's to solve um... this. Solve this problem with piss and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> who pisses themselves a lot? I was going to say who was sleepless in Seattle, and was it because she kept pissing herself? Meg Ryan. Yeah. It was Meg Ryan, wasn't and it? Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Meg. Meg Hanks. Meg Hanks. Let's help Meg Hanks. <laughs> Liam, why don't you go first? Yeah. Uh, so, to be honest, first of all, I had when uh, I saw this problem was the maybe the song Insomnia by Faithless could help. Can't really. It's uh, <laughs> mostly someone talking about how they can't get no sleep, which... Okay, relatable, but probably not that helpful. I love it. Did you? I assume you read the lyrics of that song. Are they did they actually mean anything? I don't really know them, but it sounds like he's just like verbal diarrhoeing. So the the guy, I can't remember his name. He wrote the rap in about twenty minutes, apparently. Ah. Um, and it's it's quite a bit like stream of consciousness type of thing. No lie, not even bread. Jam. When the light above my head went bam. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bit in there that's like. Um, he says like he wants to get back to sleep to dream of having sex with his girlfriend or something. Making mad love on the <laughs> heat, tearing <laughs> off tights with my teeth, but there's you no know, relief, really. no peace. I toss and turn without sleep. You can't get no sleep. He tosses and turns. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> it is an Irish jig. You're absolutely right. <laughs> his name's Maxi Jazz. Maxi Jazz, that's it. So is he is he a permanent fixture of Yeah, him, Rolo and Sister Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's not helpful. But when I was so I was doing a bit of research on this problem and uh, I found an article online that again wasn't helpful at all. But it was so bizarre that I wanted to share it. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. <laughs> OMC? OMC. OBE. Beverly Knight OBE. <laughs> So this article I found, it was published by theawesomemix.com and it was written by Nico Gonzalez and it's called The 20 Best Songs About Insomnia. Spoilers, not many of them, if any, are about insomnia. And the content of this article is, is so 
shamelessly incorrect that I think it must have been generated by an AI or something because it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. You find a lot of that on the internet these days. It's worrying, you? isn't it? Mm. Like Post-truth <laughs> society we live in, though, isn't it? <laughs> Post-grammatical correctness and <laughs> sentences making sense. <laughs> society. It's grammatical correctness gone mad. <laughs> so here's the first example. We all know the classic wham hit, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Literally a song about somebody being asleep when they wanted to be awake. <laughs> uh, I thought it was Wank Me Off Before You Go-Go. <laughs> How's about a no-no? <laughs> uh, the line from the first bridge makes this clear. It says, I was dreaming, but I should have been with you instead. Should have been with you instead. Here's Nico's take on it. He says... If you're struggling with insomnia, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham is the perfect song for you. The lyrics capture the feeling of being unable to sleep, and the song's upbeat tempo will help to keep you awake. Its lyrics are about a person who is trying to stay awake to see the sunrise, but eventually falls asleep. The song was released in 1984, and its popularity has only grown in recent years. The song has been a favourite of insomniacs for years, and it's sure to help you get through the night. (laughs) What a load of shit. (laughs) Are you saying that... If you're up, just listen to this song because it's a good song. Like, what is he? How's that helping you get to sleep? Insomniacs need to go to sleep. Yeah. And he said it will, the upbeat tempo will keep you awake. That's ex- the exact opposite of what I want. The second example is The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Another song, quite clearly, about somebody or some lion who is asleep. We all agree it's about a lion who's asleep tonight, right? Yeah. Wrong, says Mr. Gonzalez. Lion insomniac. (laughs) The Lion Sleeps Tonight is a popular song that was originally recorded in 1961 by The Tokens. Not true. The song was written by George David Weiss and Hugo Peretti. The song is about a lion that is unable to sleep because he's worried about his family. Its lyrics are about the importance of family and how they should stick together. Some people think that the song is about a man who is unable to sleep because he's worried about his family, but it's never been confirmed. <laughs> None of that has ever been confirmed. It's all bullshit. <laughs> and the last one. Uh, do you know where did you sleep last night? Uh, so it's a... Nirvana. Yeah, Nirvana covered it. So it's Nirvana's Lead Belly-inspired cover of an American folk song called In the Pines. Round index number 3421. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a song whose subject matter isn't entirely clear, but it seems to be about either a daughter or, or a wife who has been out all night doing something she shouldn't have been. And because it's a folk song, there's been lots of different versions with lots of different themes. Some of them are about sex. Some of it's about death, loneliness. Never insomnia. <laughs> so what does the awesome mix have to say about it? <laughs> Where Did You Sleep Last Night is a song by the American rock band Nirvana. It is the 11th and final track on the band's debut album, Bleach. The song was written by frontman Kurt Cobain (laughs) and is about a homeless man who Cobain saw on the streets of Seattle. Some people believe that the song is about Cobain's own battle with insomnia, but it is actually about a homeless man named Dave. So instead of helping the poor on Lee, he was just going in on this website, basically. <laughs> Making a new enemy of the show. Yeah, third one. Uh, so yeah, after after I'd done all that research, 
I was so tired that I fell asleep. <laughs> That's what you should do well, too. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I didn't have any time to find any actually useful advice. <laughs> uh, apart from maybe don't don't use that website to find art about insomnia because it's all a load of bollocks. He's got so much time <laughs> on his hands, though, he might as well read it. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing I would say, I've recommended this book before. Um, but it's oh, yeah. super I thought you were going to recommend this. Which is Why We Sleep. Uh, by Matthew Walker, I want to say. Pretty sure the last thing you needed is something justifying the amount you sleep. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the, the reason the, the reason I recommend it is because, as well as being really interesting, it also has some tips about if you do have insomnia, reasons why things might be keeping you awake, and tips on basically making your bedtime ritual a bit more conducive to sleeping better which might be useful i might be able to give some advice as well with the princess and the pea by hans christian anderson do you remember the story of the princess and the pea no idea she has a pea under her bed and she can't sleep and that's how they find out that she's a true princess or something like that that's exactly right, Liam. Well, well sort of. bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of a prince who can never find the right woman because he never believes they're real princesses because they're not his type or they've had they've got bad manners or It's it's really a story about a very fussy prince, isn't it? Yeah. And one night a young woman knocks at his door asking to sleep in his castle for the night, looking like a drowned rat. It's raining. She says she's a princess, but no one believes her because she looks like shit. And the prince's mum decides to test her by placing a pea in her bed, covered by 20 mattresses. And the me- next morning, she says that she had a shit night's sleep because she kept being woken up by something hard in the bed that bruised her. And yay, she's passed the test. She must be a princess because only a princess would have that level of sensitivity. So everyone rejoices because the prince and princess can marry and she can spend the rest of her life being woken in the night by something hard in the bed. How did she get on top of the 20 mattresses? Uh, I guess a ladder. Yeah. Maybe a ladder. No, the story isn't really about her bad night's sleep. It's about the toxic and unfair test that the prince and his mum put the princess through, which is all a bit weird. But it raises very important questions about your sleeping arrangements, Meg Hanks. Are you completely comfortable in your bed? Do you need a new mattress? Are you warm enough? Are you wearing loose, comfortable pyjamas? Are you practicing sensible sleep hygiene? No screens in the bedroom, a nice read before bed, rain sounds maybe, maybe calm in the headphones. Maybe a warm bath to calm you down pre-bed. If not, it's no wonder you're suffering like our princess. I think you should examine your bed and your bedtime routine. Make sure that there are no peas in the bed. Give yourself the best chance of having a good night's sleep. Just before we move on, some interesting facts about this story. Anderson claimed to have heard the story in his childhood, but this was never a traditional tale in Denmark. He might be thinking of a Swedish story, The Princess Who Lay on Seven Peas. (laughs) (laughs) No no similarities. (laughs) Uh, Another fact, one critic worried that it might corrupt little girls. Quote, The story seems to the reviewer not only indelicate, but indefensible, insofar as the child might absorb the false idea that great ladies must always be so terribly thin-skinned. So it's good to know the pearl-clutching type who blame books, films, music and video games for their own parental failings are not a new phenomenon. And last fact, and my favourite, the first man who translated this story into English was called Charles Boner. So, um, have you heard? Have you ever seen the TV series The Pacific? No. Twenty ten. It's about World War Two, though, isn't it? It is. Mm. It's about the um, Pacific theatre of war. The U.S. Marines landing like 
Pilulu and Guam and places that before each episode starts it zooms in on the island and it zooms oh, okay. in forever like it's like mm. they're yeah. so small and so insignificant you think but a lot of them are like um landing strips and things like that they need to win but um it's uh hbo series mm. and executively produced by tom and steve who do you think they are um steven spielberg yeah and tom hanks yay ah get me i was thinking tom daly Tom Day. <laughs> um, yeah, so they both did Saving Private Ryan together, didn't they? In 1999. Mm, and then they made... Saving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> and then they made uh, Band of Brothers together. Mm. And then The Pacific is a follow-up. And actually... Bang My Brothers. Around, <laughs> around now, there's the third instalment called Masters of the Air should be streaming on Apple... Plus, mm. Apple TV Plus. Um, yeah, so it's um, it's based on the book with the old breed at Palulu and Okinawa by Eugene Sledge, whose nickname in it is Sledgehammer. I wanna be a Sledgehammer. And also Helmet for My Pillow by Robert Lecky, who's also so Sledge and Lecky are both characters in the Pacific. And really, what I want to say is, imagine a helmet for a pillow. <laughs> Everybody needs a helmet for a pillow. <laughs> that would be really uncomfortable. Mm. I'd rather not have a helmet. <laughs> and then and nothing to sleep on than a helmet for a pillow. Mm. But that's all these guys have got. Um, when you watch Band of Brothers come like nine years before this, and it's about the European theatre of war, the Second World War. Problem one, this episode was World War, War One. Yeah. Now you've moved on to World War Two. Maybe we're doing chronological wars. Jesus this. fucking Christ. Um, and... It does make it look terrible as well. Like you, like in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, what? Battle of the Bulge. Have you not heard of Battle of the Bulge? Have you? I, yeah, but I do have that reaction in my head every time. Like, who thought of that name? Why? Is that a place? The Bulge. Um, no, the Bulge was the. It was Germany's final offensive in the Ardennes in France. Is the Ardennes? Yeah, and they pushed forward so much on two sides that it left a bulge in the, the line, the US line. Oh. And so they were defending like on three sides, basically. Oh. And they were very short of ammunition, short of supplies, short of men. Like they would just, Germans would wander into their line and they'd have to like chase them away. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, the conditions were brutal there. But the Pacific makes and the and the Pacific theatre makes it look like a holiday camp because they've got to deal with non-stop rain and heavy rain. Do you know that really mm. bulbous rain in like tropical places? Mm. Have you ever experienced that? No, we get quite really. fine rain here. But imagine mm. like mm. so for Robert Leckie, it called, this like in these places, I suppose close to Asia, it's non-stop rain for like mm. weeks or months, and yeah, it, they have rainy seasons. It they? caused uh, Robert Leckie a condition where his body doesn't know it's funny enough when to go to the toilet when to wee oh. so he just like, pissed himself all the mm. time and it was really deliberate debilitating debilitating for him <laughs> no food but maggot infested rice I mean these are real problems that are going to keep you up at night mm. and I'm not saying that you <laughs> you victim blaming I'm victim blaming <laughs> and I think that you need to work harder there's lots of things you can do I think Liam's advice about um, a good routine is great I think Aaron's advice about setting yourself up right for sleep is correct. 
And if it's problems that are keeping you awake, like things you're worried about, then I think... <laughs> just don't worry. Just, yeah, just don't worry. <laughs> have you tried not worrying? Have you tried like getting them out of your mind somehow? <laughs> We've all got them. Hey. Hey. A ranger came a-ranging to Old Town one fine day. The townsfolk came to meet him. They heard what he had to say. He said, I hear this town's got problems. Some outlaws on the run. And I've come to solve these problems with my problem gun. Word soon got to these outlaws about a ranger new in town. And they soon came out of hiding to put this ranger down. They laughed when they first saw him beneath the high noon sun. But he soon stopped them from laughing With his problem gun Problem gun Problem gun Yeah, the ranger solved their problems With his problem gun Problem three and the last problem of the series Don't get emotional, guys Stop crying, Carl my girlfriend and I have been together for five years now, and I think it's time we took the next step. I want to propose in the most romantic way possible, and I want art to be a part of it. I could give her a book with a ring for a bookmark, or I could propose to the most beautiful song ever, or I could even do it after watching the cutest film ever made. What are the experts' suggestions for the most romantic songs, films, and books ever made? What a lovely problem to end the series on. I'm glad we could end it on a high note. Sickly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it makes me sick. <laughs> Sitting up there in your high tower of happiness. I realise now, now that I actually look at my research, that I haven't actually answered this question. Me neither. <laughs> Nor <do> I. <laughs> uh, they've asked for suggestions for yeah, and cute art. What like I've done is said... Romantic art. Basically says, you shouldn't be asking us about this. <laughs> well we'll get to you I, I suppose I'll go first then so I haven't answered your question oh wait a minute name what's the name yeah we need to think of a Jose name Jose Lafario who's that don't know <laughs> <laughs> alright Jose Jose I haven't actually answered your question but I've come up with some nice examples of literary proposals so that's good enough isn't it I'm going to give a sad example then a happy example but both are full of love which is what you are, Jose. First one is Ian Banks, or Ian M. Banks, mm. my name as. Depending on whether he's writing science fiction or not. Yes, Scottish author, whose first book, The Wasp Factory, is the only one I've read. But he's huge, so I'm sure you will have heard of him under one of his names. So have you read any? I guess you have then, Liam. I've read The Wasp Factory. I've read The Player of Games but that wasn't the first one in that series. I read the first one in that series and I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Culture series? Is yeah. that what? What is that? It's, I don't know if you know. It's got it's got a funny name. I don't know what the first one's called. Well, this is how huge he is. He published 27 novels and the Times placed him in their list of the 50 greatest British writers since 1945. Why they picked that year, I don't know. The Asteroid, 5099 Ian Banks, was named after him shortly after his death. Three of SpaceX's autonomous spaceport drone ships are named after ships from Banks's books. I think they're all from the Culture series. On the 13th of May 2019, the Five Deeps expedition broke the deepest ocean dive record in the DSV limiting factor. 
The support ship was named DSSV Pressure Drop. And both those names are ships in Banksy's culture series. So clearly all these actual real life sci-fi organizations are, I mean, they're not fi, they're just sci. <laughs> <laughs> clearly a hugely influential writer if he influenced them. But on the 3rd of April 2013, he announced that he'd been diagnosed with terminal gallbladder cancer and that he was unlikely to survive another year. He died on the 3rd of June, so just over two months later but not before proposing to his girlfriend, Adele Hartley, by asking if she would, quote, do me the honour of becoming my widow. They were married on 29th of March 2013, about two, two and a half months before he died, which is really sad, but very romantic, isn't it? Bless them. Um, and my other one, my happier one, is in 2017, I self-published my first novel gods and conquerors and the crowd went mild <laughs> <laughs> but it was more than just a vanity project for me and make no mistake it was a vanity project <laughs> <laughs> i also used it as a good way to propose to my bookish wife i proposed on the dedication page and i'm not going to read out what i wrote here because it might drive sales up beyond the zero mark if i say You'll have to buy a coffee to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I even managed to keep it a secret from her until the first time she held the actual published book in her hands. Cried her eyes out. Did she? Yeah. That's all, that's all I was aiming for. I didn't care about the answers to the question. I was I like, ah, you cried. I know what you said. <laughs> yeah? Do you want to marry me or not? Whatever, I don't know. Don't joke. <laughs> I'm only joking. joking. <laughs> but if you're up for it, maybe. <laughs> um, so two very different proposals there, which prove that it doesn't really matter how you do it jose as long as you mean it when it comes from the heart and it's really meant to be every way will be the perfect way uh, consider phlebus is the name of the first book <laughs> in the culture series <laughs> thank you i told you i had a funny name will you marry me for saying that mm, all right yes <laughs> yes i love bigamy <laughs> That's really nice, Aaron. I was thinking about films with romance in them. There's quite a lot of them. Uh, but what about one with a love triangle? There's two options there. You know, you can go one way or the other way. 500 oh. Days of Summer. No. Yeah. 2001's Pearl Harbor, directed by Michael Bay. Fucking hell. <laughs> He's gone all out war. <laughs> Did you know the war special? <laughs> Someone said war special to me. Agony like total war. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you know about Pearl Harbor? Uh, ben Affleck. Yeah, I've been to Pearl Harbor. Have you? That's amazing. I have. Yeah. I oh, was, you went to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I went there while I was in Hawaii. Was it good? Horrific. I nearly cried at the museum. It was horrible. The Arizona um, and all that kind of. Yeah, thing, yeah, just because of the sad stories of people's lives. Really, people's sad stories are sad. <laughs> sad stories are sad. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> Um, so this was uh, 2001 this come out directed by Michael Bay directed by Michael Bay and produced by Jerry Bruckheimer two action monoliths in the mm. film world uh, $140 million budget in 2001 and I thought that's staggering so I looked it up on the um, inflation adjuster inflation adjuster and now it's 3 billion <laughs> <laughs> well I thought it would be something like that but it's $240 million, not too much actually right, yeah. um, <laughs> but it made back then $449 million, which is $750 million this Day and age. That's mm. a good turnaround. So not a bad it? return for a mm. shitty film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was panned by. Everyone. 183 minutes. 
It's got two romance plot points to choose from, which is why I selected it mm. for um, Jose. Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, uh, and Kate ben Beckinsale. Ben plays a Japanese pilot. And when I go into it, I'll be calling them... <laughs> no, Josh, he plays one of the ships. Josh, Josh, Ben, and Kate, because I don't... Well, I do remember their names, but it's going to get too confusing. Yeah. But um, did you know that it's the only film in history... History? Is it? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> to win a Oscar for Best Editing... Mm. And also, worst film at the Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Oh, well, That's it's, it's interesting. True. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it got panned because it's not really a war movie. So it's set out to be a war movie, not really one. Uh, Roger Ebert said, Pearl Harbor is a two-hour movie squeezing to three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "So Pearl Harbor is a two-hour movie squeezing to three hours about how, in December the 7th, 1941, the Japanese staged a surprise attack on an American love triangle. <laughs> very good so I'm not going to bother with the character names but Josh and Ben are friends and they love planes <laughs> they basically do that to get the film and they nick like a crop duster and play around with it oh yeah I think so, I might have seen that scene so they join the air force and uh, nurse Kate does Ben's medical and um, weeks later they're deeply in love mm. and they're so deeply in love that they see the police boat and hunker chunga the night away in it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever fallen in love with someone who was doing a medical on you? When they said cough, I thought, I love you. <laughs> I love you. When, you. when you said doing a medical on you just then, for some reason I thought you meant like operating. <laughs> and you, didn't, you couldn't think of Waking the word. Waking up mid-operation. I love you so much. I'm also in incredible pain. Because <laughs> anaesthetic's worn off. Why are you doing a medical on me? <laughs> Um, the day after the wild mumber in the police boat, uh, Ben gets selected for Eagle Squadron. Eagle Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets sent to England because we need Ben Affleck. We're struggling. <laughs> By the way, I just won the Battle of Britain, so we don't really need you, Ben, but <laughs> whatever. And he comes over and he gets shot down almost immediately into the channel. Oh. Yeah, so he gets shot down over the channel. He's presumed dead. It said on um, on the synopsis of reading, it's a presumed KIA but you know you, you can't be KIA unless there's a body if you're right. no body you're MIA MIA. you're still missing mm. action which is horrible for like parents families, and families. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale is so upset that she um, begins to engage in hunker chunker with Josh in their grief <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah. um, and months later Kate is shocked to see Byrne turn up alive and still handsome even though he got shot down over the uh channel and he discovers the grief-ridden affair between josh and kate um and they end up fighting on a night out but then they both fall asleep in a car can you imagine fighting so much you fall asleep together with the person you're fighting (laughs) i just fucking hate you should we we do this in the morning (laughs) um and then something happens called pearl harbor they get bombed and stuff like that yeah and so josh and uh ben have to do some fighting but now Kate's pregnant. Uh-oh. Mm. And she doesn't know whose it is. No, she does. Oh. oh. So da, 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 da. she says to Ben, I love you and I've always loved you and always will love you. But I'm going to be with Josh because I've got a baby Ooh. with him. Brutal. So Josh and Ben get signed up to the Doolittle Raid, which is the first reaction of the US to Pearl Harbor, where they it's not the big reaction that we know about. It's the, a small reaction. Reaction less. Yeah. Um, they bomb like industry in Japan, and to do it, they have to get a 
aircraft carrier close but not close enough to be detective detected and get fighter planes to or bombers actually to take off on an aircraft carrier which has not been done before so they have to shed loads of weight um they have to even get rid of their machine guns and they have broomsticks instead Hmm. It's a bit like the um, the painted cannons that we talked about. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're not going to sit if they see a broomstick, they're still going to shoot at you. Not be like, Fuck! yeah, but they might think it's powered by witches. <laughs> and go, oh shit, they've got technology we haven't. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, but they manage it. They take off the from the aircraft carrier. They bomb the shit out of Japan's industry. Then they crash land in China, which is an ally at that point. But they crash land in Japanese held Chinese territory. Um, and then Josh gets shot trying to protect ben and uh, there's a real dramatic scene where they fly home and ben comes out and kate's watching and then he pulls out the coffin of josh as if that would happen <laughs> <laughs> and then so ben marries kate and they bring up josh's son and they call him danny after josh oh i thought it was after danny devito <laughs> yeah, it's not live yet unfortunately so there you go that's romantic <laughs> is that it is that your so what have you learned from that? Like, well, make grand romantic gestures in a Pearl Harbor. Aaron says Hawaii is a beautiful place to visit. It is lovely. Um, so maybe get engaged there. Yeah, at the museum. Yeah, at the at the Pearl Harbor Museum. Well, I suppose my point is, love can be found anywhere. <laughs> already, even during wartime. <laughs> even during. But war they've already special. found love in a, in a hopeless place. <laughs> Rihanna. Uh, right, well, I suppose it's my turn. I struggled a little bit with this one uh, because there's not many love songs. <laughs> no one's ever written a love song. You try finding a romantic war film. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have to be about war, Carl. <laughs> it did, because Carl was fully committed at that point. <laughs> it's all out of my mind. Um, so I looked to the internet for some help, and I found the top ten songs to propose to according to Spotify. Do oh. either of you reckon you can name... Any of these. Ed Sheeran, perfect. Yeah, that's one. Because <laughs> you're amazing, just the way you I thought that would be on there, but it's not. Um, wonderful Tonight? That's not on there, no. Promise me you'll wait for, for me, because I'll be saving all my love for you. Will you marry me too? Ooh. I just want to marry you, Bruno Mars. Uh, marry you, yeah, that's on yeah. there. Uh, Aaron, you're one one. That one's really no, on the nose, isn't it? it? Beverly Craven's not going to be in the top ten, is she? Come on. Uh, I've got no idea. Is there a uh, Martin Monkeys one on there? No. But I would say, as a bit of a hint, they are. there is definitely a recency bias on this list. Um, thinking out loud? Yep. That's number three. Perfect was number two. You said that earlier, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, that's it for Ed Sheeran. Okay. Uh, Beyonce? No Beyonce no. on the list. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, do I am. I'm doing it. <laughs> so, number 10 was I Swear by All For One. Oh. The moon and the stars and the sky. tunes, to be fair. Be there. Um, number nine, Just Say Yes by Snow Patrol. Proposing to Snow Patrol. Oh, no. <laughs> so that, life that's out. not even a good song of theirs, is it? And it's a bit desperate. Just say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, please say yes. It's the Bruno Mars one. It's lazy as well. Just listen to the song. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this, darling. <laughs> Number eight, Boys to Men on Bended Knee. I listened to this, and it's about apologising to someone. It's not about proposals, so I don't know what people are thinking. <laughs> I'm um, sorry that I'm proposing. <laughs> Number seven, Marry Me by Train. 
How's that going? I didn't know it before I listened to it, and then I listened to it, and I still don't know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you listen to it and you know it now, you don't know it. Yeah, I don't mm. remember it. And this was yesterday, so it can't be that memorable. <laughs> Number five, Make You Feel My Love by Adele. Oh. The uh, Bob Dylan cover. Number four, A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. For a thousand years. Oh, it's that one. It's not... No. No, that's a thousand miles. A thousand miles. Oh, I thought he was going... Insomnia. Uh, you got three and two, which were the two Ed Sheeran ones, and number one, All of Me by John Legend. All of Me. I should have guessed that one, because it's such a fucking overused. All of Me consumes all of you. (laughs) Eats your arms and all your legs. (laughs) It tastes really good with eggs. (laughs) Both good, both Um, (laughs) good. What I realised from this list was that if I'd used any of these songs as a proposal soundtrack, I think my wife probably would have vomited in her mouth a bit. And she did anyway, didn't she? She did, yeah. <laughs> but she said yes. She vomited. <laughs> That's the important yeah. part. She vomited in your mouth. <laughs> it was like, you know when the the birds feed their way. young? <laughs> the traditional way you say yes, you have to exchange some stomach acid. And but that brings me to my point, which is asking has I asking free strangers how you should propose to your girlfriend is a terrible idea. Because we know nothing about you and romantic a romantic proposal needs to be something that takes into account both you and your fiance to be's shared interests and likes. So we can't tell you what the best way to propose is. You've got to figure that out for yourself. So I say, use your noggin. You can do it, Jose, I believe in you. And create your own romance, and it's going to be the best thing, better than what any of us could tell you. And your girlfriend will be all the more grateful for it. So that brings us to the end of the show and to the end of the series. What was your favourite art oh, from today? Series. Oh, I was going to say from the series. No, no. Wow. <laughs> None of us have got memories that good. <laughs> um, all Quiet on the Western Front, newish film. Give it a go. Hmm. Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Nirvana, live at MTV Unplugged. It's available on YouTube. Watched it yesterday. Really good performance. Um, and I think it is it's some fact about it that was like, it's the last recorded song. Sorry, the last song Kurt Cobain recorded before he died, which is sad. But oh. it's a really good performance. Mine is The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen. Really good book. I'm only halfway through. The second half might be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend at least reading the first half if you stop now would you be satisfied uh no <laughs> <laughs> gotta find out how it ends right well that's all we've got time for today and for this series check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs if you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve you can reach us on our group instagram and twitter accounts at agony art podcast or on the submission page on our website i'd like to thank our resident agony aunts for their contributions thanks liam thanks carl for the whole series worth of work it's been a pleasure boys thank you and thank you for listening we will only be back with another series if more of you listen so like recruit your friends force them to listen to it uh get ben affleck involved josh hartnett Kate Beckinsale if you can find her any of those three really 
we don't really want anyone else. Does that mean I don't have to prep for these Series 4 questions we got yet? No, you should start prepping now <laughs> and maybe you'll be ready for when Series 4 starts recording. It's a bit ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so we might be back for Series 4, we'll see. But in the meantime, I hope you all have nice lives. You love it at the end of a Bond film where it says, Bond might be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agony Art might be back. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> See ya. Laters. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light, because their advice can be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh, no, not at all. Not here. But Agony Art. Agony Art. Agony Art.